0: podcast. Today is Thursday, May 12th, 2016. Uh, I am recording on uh, May, May the 11th. It's a very very thundery and stormy uh, evening here in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, but hey, uh, 12 breweries down and many more to go. I want to thank everybody as always for for rating and listening and subscribing on iTunes, that that helps the most, Uh, but we're also, as you know, you're probably available on other platforms, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, all the other good stuff, Google Play as well now. Um, If if you are a brewery and you want to share your story, feel free to reach out to me at MolarMD. If you know of a brewery that might have an interesting story, I'd love to hear about it as well. uh, in, my, in my last podcast, I kind of um, uh, hit on it a little bit that a lot of these upcoming episodes will be Louisville-centric, sometimes Kentucky-centric. Um, tonight will be more Kentucky-centric uh, in general, speaking to a, a, a brewery, dry ground brewery out in western Kentucky, in Paducah. Uh, it's uh, very good stuff. They're doing a lot of cool things, so... All right, now I'm joined by Andy Wiggins. He's the head brewer of Dry Ground Brewing Company. They they are located in Paducah, Kentucky, McCracken County. Andy, how you doing?
1: I'm well. I'm well. How are you, Mike?
0: Doing well. I I had the I had the pleasure and, and fortune to actually uh, meet you last week, which is I don't think I've actually met uh, any any of my guests yet. So that was uh, that was very cool. It was
1: really nice. It was my pleasure as well, and that was a cool little event we were at. So I, I really enjoyed
0: it. Yeah, it was just in that loft area of, of Bluegrass uh, Brewing, uh, Brewing Company. It was it was a couple days before the Derby. Did you get to go to the Derby at all or do any other Derby festivities? I did
1: not. I had to be back in Paducah for an event Saturday morning. And so I actually had a, a real quick turnaround from the Derby City Brew Fest to my, some responsibilities here back home. Though we did, uh, my fiance and I enjoyed it on the television. And uh, unfortunately, my horse didn't pull it out. But we did have a good time watching
0: who was who your horse? I was I was
1: really shooting for Gunrunner. I, I had a feeling and uh, I was completely wrong. Now he, he ran a good race, came in third, but I really thought he was gonna pull it out. I I, I don't tend to go for the the big guy, the one that everybody else is, is thinking, you know, I'm a Detroit Lions fan. And <laughs> I tend to root for teams that are underdogs and so I, I couldn't. I couldn't just go with the, the top dog there. Right? So, but I mean, we had a good time. The yeah, and
0: besides, you don't. You, you never win any money off the favorite. So what's the fun in wanting the favorite to win? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so hey, before we get too too into this, um, so Paducah, Kentucky, it's it's in the western part of Kentucky. Can you tell us a little bit a bit about the city? Yeah,
1: Paducah is a, a really interesting city It's located. and urbanized and just kind of turning into this cool little enclave in, in our lovely state. So I'm very, very proud of this city. We're, we're doing some neat stuff down here.
0: That's great. So are you, are you from Paducah? I'm originally from Ballard
1: County, which is about 20 miles, I would say, west of Paducah uh, to give a rough approximation. I grew up there and uh, kind of one of those guys that, left as soon as i could and moved all over the country and traveled the whole world and came back and sort of fell into this really cool position at a brewery and just was able to move up really quickly and uh but yeah originally i'm from the area but have have lived all over
0: sure and and how did you how did you come to fall into that position
1: you know I, i had been home brewing several years back and i had been into craft beer for a long time I just moved back from California and actually was looking at taking a teaching position. I have a master's degree in education from the University of Kentucky, and this came up. And I to go back to Gunrunner. This is one of my gut feelings that, that was totally right. So I had this feeling that this is a really rare and awesome opportunity. And I asked around to people who were familiar with the, the folks that were opening this brewery, and everything I heard was positive. So I took a flyer on it, and I went and took the job, and to be honest with you, I just worked a lot of 80, 90-hour weeks to be the guy that learned everything I could so that if there was ever the opportunity for advancement, I'd be in a good situation, and that, that happened to me twice pretty quickly. I took on the general manager position initially, and then when our head brewer left, I was the guy that had the most brewing experience.
0: Yeah, whenever, whenever I go into a new job, I mean, I, I like learning all sorts of positions. Um, oh, even yeah. even back in, like, high school, if it was a part-time job, I was wanting to learn everything about it, just because, it, you know, there's just less of a chance you'd get bored, honestly, and, and you'd have more to do. Um,
1: yeah, I, I, variety is the spice of life, and that's really true for me. Some people can go into those jobs and just do the same road activity all day, every day. I would lose my mind. I need to come in and be challenged on a regular basis, and... If you can't do that in an in up-and-coming brewery, you are not paying attention or not doing your job because you're hitting the, you're hitting a, a thousand things a week that, that need to be done and should be done, and you can stay busy and you know travel and, and do all the things that, that the brewery needs, um, and, and it'd be a great variety of, of tasks.
0: So the brewery opened in, what I think what February 2015. Yeah, February
1: 2015, the day before Valentine's Day. We did our shop opening a week before then, but we did our actual opening on the 13th of February. Oh,
0: okay. Um, And and how long were were you, when did you get involved? How long after that?
1: I hired in just about a month before we opened. So I hired in in January of 2015, and I spent a month with the company, with the uh, brewmaster that was in place at the time and with ownership just getting everything ready to open uh so that, that was another instance of you just in the space and you know oh gosh we don't have toilet paper roll holders we don't have this I and mean, so you just making things happen and so i, I you know it, it's really been interesting because most of our staff has been on from day one and uh, at least over half of our staff has and so they they have a relationship with the project that goes really deep beyond just Making the beer and serving the beer
0: and you know interacting with the public. Well, you you must have been working really hard because the first eight months um, of the brewery being opened, I mean, you got y'all got a lot accomplished, and um, I think your head brewer at the time was on the was on the the cover of Beer Advocate, and you were all were making collaborations with you know major breweries already. How how was yeah. you know success found so quickly, and, and uh, what did uh, Ed Musselman, the the owner, exactly do to make that happen? You
1: know. He- a lot of it is just relationships. Schlafly had a lot of people don't know, but Scott Schreffler out of Louisville uh, and David Harrison from Heidelberg Distribution, Scott was with Schlafly, and they worked really hard to make Paducah Paduca like a hub for Slapley. Slapley had a huge presence in Paducah, and so that paving the way for us and that building that relationship with that business through just being from the area. We were all friends with Scott and he was kind enough and David was kind enough to put us in touch with, the, with a guy, Schlafly, who came and tried our beer and liked it and was willing to do a collaboration with us. And the beer advocate element came through, you know, there was a guy who travels and looks and, and he happened to write for Beer Advocate and he travels and tries all the breweries and he happened in our place and love the architecture of the place and he uh, really focused when you read that article it really focuses in on how beautiful our facility is the former coke bottling plant it was built in 1939 and so that's a lot of what the article about so yeah it was just one of those we've, you feel like sometimes things just go your way multiple times and we've just been in the right situation meeting the right people and and I feel like we've made, we've made good beer and we've worked really hard. So some, of it's there, but some of it's really just good fortune and surrounding yourself with good folks. We've been fortunate enough to have that happen. And Ed is a very gregarious guy. He's very smart. And so when you sit down and talk to Ed, I think it's easy to have confidence in him to
0: And, and you mentioned the building a little bit, I'm glad I'm glad you got into it, because there's, there's a lot of history there. Um, and it also kind of ties into the entire name of the brewery itself, Dry Ground. Uh, do you want to get into yep. that? I'd love to tell that story.
1: It hasn't gotten old for me yet, and I've probably told it 300 times. <laughs> so, as we all know, there was a serious flood across the state of Kentucky in 1937. Uh, the Ohio River was at possibly one of its highest crest points ever. Uh, so, Paducah, obviously being a river city and the Ohio running, you know, right on our uh, northern border, yeah, we, were, we were no exception to the rule. So, what happened was Luther F. Carson had established a Coca-Cola bottling plant, plant in the downtown area real close to the river. Well, it got flooded out up to the second floor, so he jumps out onto a flotation device and he starts floating away from the river, down toward where our current facility is, and ours way down. He says to someone, when I reach dry ground, that's I'm going to establish my new bottling plant. Well, the spot where he landed is where he established his plant. He called it dry ground in his statement. So we use that to pay homage to the man that built that facility. It's a gorgeous facility, art deco style facility. What do you drink there? And I come kind of look at the, our building. It's it's really lovely.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you say you say it's a Coke bottling plant, but I mean it doesn't. I mean it looks more like a cathedral almost. I mean, just certain aspects of it in certain colors, and it's it's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's an impressive edifice, no doubt. And the, 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 he he didn't spare any expense with the contractors he brought, he brought in, and and how gorgeous the inside of that building is. I mean, it's so much. It's so easy when all you have to do is figure out how to best accentuate what's already been properly done. The craftsmanship that went into that building—it makes our jobs a lot easier as we expand into this building and continue to bring additional businesses in. It makes it a lot easier to just be able to exploit the hard work and skill that was already put into that facility.
0: Yeah, you—you really didn't have to do much to the building itself, then. And and I guess. stick shine really. Yeah, really. And uh, a big part of that plant when it was open was the neon sign and then I guess once the Coke plant closed down it was it was off for many years.
1: Yeah, it went, it went dark for a long time and, and that was one of the main things. They they wanted to start to communicate to the community early on the Coke plant's coming back. It's gonna really be something and the neon was one of the first messages they sent before they opened any businesses. They had a company come in and replace that neon, and it's this pulsating neon. We have a rotunda, a round uh, sort of uh, area that you walk into in the front of the building, and the top of it is round up at the top, and it's got it's got windows all the way around that has the neon running up in it, and the neon pulsates different colors all night long when you have it turned on, and it was just a way to send. it. I remember the first time I saw it, I hadn't even been hired yet, but I knew something was happening. It, 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 it was it's almost seeing. The heartbeat of the plant, that it's breathing and living again, and something's happening. That was very propulsive by the Muslims to do that, to to communicate, to, to communicate to the community early on. Hey, we're coming back. We're gonna bring. We're gonna give you your coke plant back and make it really special for you.
0: Yeah, Paducah coming back. Um, and uh, heritage and, and history is very important to you. And you've uh, named a couple of the beers after you know Luther and. Um and the, the Ohio River Flood itself, and any other uh, heritage beers like that?
1: Uh, <laughs> I guess you could say that. I mean, uh, Preacher Pills uh, was named after our original brewmaster's uh, grandfather. He was a preacher. Funny uh, story, we, we got a guy in town, his wife's currently running for mayor, his name's Adam Moyers, and if you met Adam, you'd never forget him because he has the most impressive long red beard you've ever seen it's just a shockingly red and it's down to just as be- to his belly button it's, it's really impressive there's anything like it and i've known adam for years but we have a belgian triple called adam's beard because when the original brewer saw him he was so impressed with his beard that he said i'm going to name a beer after you and he did we really tried to even fresh plow at our saison is an homage to the agricultural history of our area we really tried to um we try to ground our, our beers and the name in our community in some way. Uh, we even just put out a pale ale. You know, people are really concerned with parking around the coke plant. And we think it's kind of a joke, all of us having visited and lived in other urban areas, where if you walk four or five blocks to your destination, it's not a big deal. Well, things are a little spoiled with the Walmartification of things where you got a giant parking lot attached to every building. So some people have been concerned about parking. So we, we just... I, we just put a pail on, a pail ale, and called it Parking is Such Sweet Sorrows. This <laughs> is a way to have some fun with it, to, and to challenge the community a little bit. So we try to we try to use our, the opportunity to name beers to have an interesting story or to, you know, to nestle that some way into the story of the community overall.
0: Sure. So now so now Paducah's growing, a little bit of culture here and there, uh, alcohol is flowing, and you got the art. But um, it's... But that's not always the case in, in surrounding areas, I, I guess, because um, I mean, I guess even just just until recently, there's a there's a precinct next to you all that was that was still dry, and, and it just went wet. Um,
1: yeah, well, we're surrounded by you know Ballard County, um, where I grew up, is still dry. There are a lot of dry counties around us, um, and I think you know that that there's a combination of the prohibition mentality of. You, and it also goes with sort of a, a a lot of the folks here that hold a particular um, religious belief structure that you can't just have one or two or three beers. You can't be a functional human being and simultaneously have a relationship with alcohol. It, that it's not it's really binary. But that generation that believes that, or the generations that believe that, they are they they're starting to be less and less active in the community. A lot of those folks are not with us anymore. And so the, the attitude toward alcohol among the people in Paducah who are 50 and younger is way more positive. It's way more healthy and functional. They understand completely that a person can be a consumer of alcohol and also maintain a job and be a good husband, father, wife, mother, employee. Those things are not incongruent. You know, they, they can go together. They work together. And so... Um, yeah, that, those attitudes are really shifting, and you, and you see it in the outside counties where they're going wet. So now Marshall County, to a degree, has gone wet, and, uh, you know, Caldwell County, these, these counties surrounding us are starting to, um, the voting block is getting young enough and progressive enough that they're understanding that it's not a dangerous thing, even though it can be, but guess what? Ice cream can be a dangerous thing. Yeah. If you eat it three times a day, it's probably going to kill you. So anything can be a dangerous thing. And our community has just been a little behind, and our culture here has been a little behind in really learning how to have that healthy relationship. We're coming around. We really are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess it's just, it's so important to stress that, you know, Kentucky has, what, 128 counties, and and many of them still hold that mentality. So, you know, just one county might be wet, but the one next to you might be dry still, and it's, it's a work in progress. Now, in, in a respectful debate, what would you say to an individual who, who advocates for the continuation of a dry county? Like, have you ever had that kind of conversation in person before?
1: I, you know, it's, I really haven't that much. Um, the only... I guess the closest thing to that that I've, I've encountered are... Um, you know, I have some family members who are just opposed to the consumption of alcohol on a religious basis. I try to steer clear... I guess if someone had some kind of logical, tax-based theory, maybe I could have that conversation, but if, it, if someone holds that as a personal belief, sure. it, I try to steer clear of those conversations. It's hard to convince someone something that they believe is evil is not evil. And so, but I, I think if someone were just to tell me that they thought it would be detrimental to the community, there's a lot of studies, a lot of numbers out there that show the benefits of alcohol, Uh, you know, for a community, for restaurants in that community financially. But also, just logically, when you think about if there's someone that wants to live in a community that's dry, but they also happen to enjoy having a bourbon or having, you know, some beer or whatever, they may have to drive 20 or 30 miles to make that happen. Well, we don't really want that person driving back 20 or 30 miles after making that happen. Um, It's a lot easier if we can put this in people's community. I think it's safer. You know, you look at the number of accidents we have that are alcohol-related, and uh, helping folks to um, not make those poor choices is is obviously a good thing. And also, I find that when you remove the stigma from a thing like that, it becomes uh, less desirable to abuse it. And so I think, I mean, I, I personally... Believe that these wet counties, we won't see too many of them in twenty years.
0: Sure, yeah, and, and I guess uh, some are, you know, they're they're treading they're treading the water, seeing how it works for their community in even uh, what they call moist counties as well.
1: Yes, yeah, they, and they're they, you know, and, and I think when you look at the people who are 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 leading these counties, when they start to see the revenue created, and particularly alcohol is highly taxed, when you see the tax revenue that comes in from that. I think that they're going to be intoxicated—no pun intended—by <laughs> uh, that, and so, well, you know, they, why, why would you send all that good tax money to a neighboring county when you can keep it yourself? And, and that's going to be the kind of thing that, you, if you put money in front of politicians, they can—they can pretty much sell anything for you. So, right. I, I think they're going to be some of the biggest
0: advocates of, of these places going wet. Right on. Now, so hey, uh, the. First, within the first five minutes of, of our meeting, uh, I think you said something along the lines that you would probably get into a big Star Wars uh, tangent. Um, so I'm, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, make, so I'm making sure that Star happens.
1: Wars,
0: Game of Thrones, there's a lot of things you can pull me in oh. on. Ooh, Game of Thrones, did you watch last night? Oh yeah, of course I did. Okay. We're addicted. <laughs> well, we've also read all the books here in our house. But anyway, let's go back to Star Wars. I'm primed. <laughs> all right. Okay, just, just a small quiz for you. Just a couple simple questions. Oh gosh. Han Solo made the Kessel run in blank. 12 parsecs. 12 parsecs, alright. What planet is Cloud City on? Cloud
1: City is on, uh, is it Bespin?
0: Bespin, correct. Whoa. Whoa, the close one. Alright. In The Empire Strikes Back, what creatures attach themselves to the Millennium Falcon? Oh, man, they look like bats. Mm hmm. They
1: have the wings. Mm-hmm. Oh, what are they called? kind of a silly name. <laughs> totally, I'm
0: blanking on this one, Mike. Can you help me? Oh no, I'm not actually going to help you. See, what I'm what I'm going to do is I'm going to let everybody listen to this and try to guess for as long as possible, and then make them look it up themselves, and you, you yourself included. Good luck, guys. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay. Last thing: if you were in charge of creating your own Star Wars movie, universe, whatever story, what would it be about? It's only four sixty-six,
1: so there's been. Order 66 is when the Emperor uh, instructed Vader and all the stormtroopers to kill the Jedi. Now, when you watch Revenge of the Sith, uh, they only show about 10 seconds of this happening. It's shown in a montage, but it's probably one of the most single important events in the history of the Star Wars universe. Show me a film where a collection of Jedi are hiding away, and Darth Vader has to go hunt them down and eliminate them. That's a fascinating narrative.
0: That's the that's the movie I'm waiting on. So can you call Kathleen Kennedy? I'm ready to get started. <laughs> Ooh, that would be awesome actually. I, I think no, in, totally. in, they they do go into that in some other mediums and other like uh, T V shows and, and whatever, but uh
1: Yeah, are in the comic
0: books deal with it some,
1: so it's it's a big deal. It's a very important moment in the history of that that yeah. uh,
0: universe. It's just glossed over in, in two minute scenes. Huh. Yeah. It's,
1: we really got to get it. We got to get it it's, it's
0: justice. It needs time. Uh, I was uh, I was speaking with uh, Nick Davidson recently of, of Tin Man in Evansville, cool. and uh, their brewery. Had Love the, those
1: guys.
0: Yeah, they're, yeah, they're great. Uh, they had the opportunity to make a Star Trek beer uh, with with, oh, um, yeah. with CBS. Are you ever going? Do you, Do you hope for the uh, for the day to come um, for Disney to come knocking at your doors and say, Hey, make a Star Wars beer? You know, we're one
1: of those breweries that's adamant on. Not selling out. Like if AB and Dev came knocking, we've already got our speech written for them, and it's got a lot of 4 letter words. But if Disney came knocking and said, "Make a Star Wars beer," we absolutely we have a lot of nerds on staff who are big time fans of Star Wars. There's a there's a hundred percent chance I would make that beer. Yes.
0: On the on the top of your head, can you can you come up with a name that you would uh, that you would incorporate?
1: Uh, Yeah, so it's going to be a box beer. It's going to be called
0: Chewbacca. Oh, my God. You had that ready. You had that ready.
1: (laughs) Dude, I've been... Listen, I've been been talking to a friend of mine in Colorado. We send these texts back and forth as jokes, Star Wars-themed beer names, and Chewbacca is my favorite.
0: Chewbacca chewed d- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I'm ready to make that beer. All right, man. Well, hey, before uh, I really appreciate your time. Before I let you go, uh, any any future plans or events going on uh, with uh, Dry Ground or in Paducah that you'd like people to know about?
1: Yeah. So this coming weekend uh, will be the uh, 14th and 15th or 13th and 14th Friday and Saturday of May here. Uh, it's going to be the Lower Town Arts and Music Festival in Paducah, uh, which is actually sort of in a, a beer festival. We have a lot of artists set up. We block off several blocks. We have musicians, uh, really renowned uh, nationally touring musicians come in and do a huge festival in our Lower Town Arts District. Really super fun. A lot of cool, neat people there. And there's going to be some really good beer print on there by uh, Paducah Beer Works, another local brewery, ourselves. Slaffley's really showcasing there a lot. And if I'm not mistaken, the fourth brewery there is in there, but don't quote me on that. We, but it's, it's a really great event. And then June 18th, we're having Pabruca, and that is the first ever Paducah Beer Fest. It'll be the first annual one this year. It's put on on our, our symphony. And uh, you can go ahead and go online to pabruca.com, get your tickets. We're going to have, I think we have 12 breweries signed up primarily, Kentucky Breweries and a couple regional breweries. to boot. But that's going to be another really cool event right on the river. Come down, drink some beer, hang out with us. I uh, would love to have anybody interested in Paducah just come on down. And if you're going to be here, you hear you hear about it from the podcast. Shoot me an email uh, through the dry ground website, and I'll I'll take care of you. Come by and see me. I'll give you a tour or
0: something. Yeah, that that'd be great uh, for everybody listening. That's that's really good. And actually, actually, that that should be anytime anybody listens, they should men- they should uh, tell the brewery that they they heard about them through me. Uh, obviously, absolutely, um, <laughs> yeah, please do. Uh, what what are your hours of the brewery and taproom, By the way.
1: Yeah, so we're open Monday through Saturday. Uh, Monday through Thursday, we're open from 3 until 11. Friday, we go ahead and stay open until midnight. And then Saturday, we're doomed to midnight, closed on Sunday.
0: All right, fantastic. Andy, I really appreciate your time, and I hope to see you again soon.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. It was a real pleasure, buddy.
0: All right, take care.
1: bye I have to celebrate you, baby. I have to praise you like a should.